0: Welcome to this American Society of Hematology podcast for the hematologist, ASH News and Reports. In this installment of our ASH Clinical Practice Guidelines series, Dr. Patricia Casais and Dr. Guillermo León Basantes have a conversation about the clinical importance of new ASH guidelines on venous thromboembolism in Latin America. This podcast is the English version of a dedicated three-part series in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Dr. Patricia Casais is a hematologist and researcher at the Instituto de Investigaciones en Salud Pública de la Universidad de Buenos Aires. She is a panel member of the 2021 Guidelines for Management of Venous Thromboembolism in Latin America. Additional membership and affiliation information can be found in the podcast notes. Dr. Guillermo Leon Basantes is a hematologist in the Hematology Division of the Department of Medicine at Clinica Universitaria Colombia and Professor of Hematology at Sanitas University Foundation in Bogotá. He is a panel member of the 2021 Guidelines for Management of Venous Thromboembolism in Latin America. Additional affiliations are listed in the podcast notes. None of our speakers has a direct financial conflict of interest with companies that market drugs or devices used to diagnose or treat VTE. For more information on ASH VTE guidelines and how you can get involved, visit www.hematology.org/vte. Thank you for listening and enjoy the conversation. I'm Patricia Casais. I'm a hematologist in
1: Buenos Aires, Argentina. I was a member of the VTE panel for the guidelines for management of venous thrombosis for Latin America. I was a member of the panel together with my colleague, Dr. Guillermo León from Colombia, and there were 12 physicians from 10 countries in Latin America working in this initiative from ASH together with local hematology and thrombosis hemostasis societies.
2: Thank you, Patricia. I'm Guillermo León. I'm a hematologist from Colombia. I was invited to participate in this panel. It was a real pleasure to meet with them and to work with them, and this is a wonderful initiative. I want to remark that in this process, in this development of guideline for Latin America, there was specific methodology that was a great development to adapt the original recommendations for ASH-BTE guidelines to the real context of Latin America and our reality. And it is one of the most important values that I want to emphasize of this project.
1: Yes, what you say is, Ermo, is very important because one of the important things for implementing a guideline is the context, the place where they will be put into practice and patient values and preferences, resources, accessibility to healthcare is very different in Latin America than maybe in other countries. And even within the Latin American countries, access to healthcare, health equity is not the same.
2: Yeah, another point that I want to remark is that some members of the original panel of Ash Guideline worked with us and developed the methodology that we implement in this process. And it's important to demonstrate that the original process is in our guideline. We can talk about some recommendations, some points that in this guideline we want to remark. In the recommendation 11 for our guideline, in patients with recurrent provoked DVT or P and high risk of recurrence, the Ash Latin American guideline panel suggests maintaining indefinite anticoagulation over discontinuing it after a period of three to six months with a conditional recommendation based on moderate certainty in evidence about effects. Okay, that's the first recommendation that we want to talk about.
1: Yes, for this recommendation, we consider that patients with recurrent provoked DTE had received thromboprophylaxis. Of course, we consider that the patient should have a usual, let's say, risk of leading, not, not a higher risk of leading. Nevertheless, it is important to consider that putting into practice these recommendations require shared decision-making with the patient and evaluating from time to time the risk of leading of the patient.
2: I agree with you. I, I think for most of us in, in our low we know that the importance of this evaluation of provoking factors that can precipitate a PT event. But one of the points that I want to highlight is that, as in many other recommendations in the guideline, the importance of remarks is relevant since in the end there is very timely contextualization for the reality of Latin America, as I said. Sometimes it redefines the recommendation in a certain way. In this recommendation, I'm interested in highlighting that the characterization of the risk value of each provoking factor should be properly assessed. And additionally, I want to emphasize the importance of the fact that thrombotic event is established despite the implementation of adequate thromboprophylaxis. Thus, the recommendation applies specifically to those who did receive protective strategies. Now...
1: Yes, you're right. And just to comment another recommendation of the guidelines, one of the first recommendation is that about home treatment of DBT and of patients with low-risk PE we made a conditional recommendation for home treatment of DBT and either home or hospital treatment for patients with PE. And this recommendation of either home or hospital treatment of PE is because of the Latin American context. Are The access to care is not uniform everywhere and some patients cannot afford the medications or have not the proper support at home for the anticoagulation treatment or have a history of poor compliance. So that's one of the remarks about this recommendation. Of course, there are patients that require to be hospitalized because they have a high bleeding risk or require intravenous medications or have a very severe DVT. But other than that, whenever it's possible, home treatment should be offered to our patients.
2: Yeah. I think it's important to understand that in our countries, there are endless barriers to access and high costs of healthcare that are often not subsidized by the health system. In this case, home care makes it possible to reduce these barriers or reduce costs without a major impact on the clinical outcome, which is and will always be the most important outcome. Apart from situations in which the patient's medical conditions weren't, hospitalization, access and delivery of drugs must be timely so that Home care is effective and does not become a new barrier, yeah? Because it's a real problem in our countries, in some of our countries. And then maybe home care is a great opportunity to limit these barriers, yeah?
1: Yes, you're right. And one of the, of the things that we noticed in this panel when we discussed and reviewed the evidence was that the availability of direct or anticoagulants in our countries is not very good. Those are expensive medications and patients usually pay them from their pocket and many health insurances do not cover them. So that is something that goes against the possibility of home treatment. So that's one of the points that we saw while reviewing the evidence from our countries that there should be more availability for the direct oral anticoagulants so that the patients can get them. And this medication should be made affordable for the patients in Latin America. We made a recommendation in favor of using direct oral anticoagulants over vitamin K antagonists for the treatment of DBT and PE. And even though these recommendations are mostly for the clinician making decisions about patient care, these recommendations can also help health authorities and policymakers to, So we hope that since the recommendation is to use direct oral anticoagulants over vitamin K antagonists, this could help policymakers to make these medications more accessible for the general patients.
2: Yeah, I remember when we discussed this kind of topics, and obviously it's important to remark that the implementation or the access of these recommendations, for example, the use of dogs for the frontline therapy, anticoagulation therapy, was sometimes difficult to understand for all our countries. Yeah, because, for example, in Colombia, most of these drugs are available in our country, but not in all cases. And it's difficult to understand the impact of, of this recommendation. For me, it's interesting. The knowledge that we have now, it's sufficient evidence that pivotal trials provide about the effectiveness and safety of these new anticoagulation drugs like DOACs, but in many of our countries, as I said previously, these drugs are available and the clinical experience that we have gained in recent years allows us to better understand and man- manage the care of these patients. Except for patients with suspected, for example, antiphospholipid syndrome, where BKE are still the basis of the anticoagulation treatment, today it's possible and safe to establish DOCS as the first or frontline treatment. However, Returning to the idea of access barriers in some circumstances defined by health systems in in our countries, the availability of starting treatment with these innovative drugs is not always sufficient.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And another thing I, it's important, I think, regarding the use of DOACs is, as you mentioned, Guillermo, we have a experience and the evidence is there. And I think one thing we have to emphasize is that the patient education regarding the risk and benefits of anticoagulation should be the same, whether the patient is with DOACs or vitamin K antagonists. I think that's a thing that's very important to insist that the patient education regarding drug interactions, how to proceed in case of a bleeding or emergency surgery, those things are very important when a patient is on or anticoagulants, whether they are DOACs or vitamin K antagonists. That's something we wanted to remark and it's in the guidelines.
2: Great point Patricia. We learned about anticoagulation clinics, the importance of education for the patient related with DKE treatment, yeah, with warfarin in most of our countries, but I agree with you. The importance of patient education with these new drugs, it's too important. It's always important not only about how to use these drugs, but also in the specific topic related with security profile of these drugs needs to have this kind of education.
1: Completely agree. So, Guillermo, what you said about the risk of every patient on oral anticoagulation is very important, and that's something that we discussed when we were reviewing the recommendation regarding patients with unprovoked DVT or PE. In that recommendation, we suggested indefinite anticoagulation over discontinuation after three to six months. But of course, the final decision should include the evaluation of the individual risk of recurrence and the risk of bleeding and many other variables such as costs access to monitoring, to follow-up, and of course, patients' preferences. So, this recommendation of continuing oral anticoagulation in patients with unprovoked PTE has to take into account the patient bleeding risk. which can change over time as well.
2: Okay, yeah. This is quite different because in this recommendation, with patients with recurrent unprovoked provoked DVT, the ASH Latin American Panel recommended maintaining indefinite anticoagulation over discontinuity after a period of three to six months of treatment. And in this case, we agreed to give a strong recommendation based on maybe moderate certainly in the evidence about defects, but now maybe we can understand that we know that in this kind of patients with an recurrent and provoked DBT and with a good evaluation about this kind of profile of, of the risk factors. In this case, maybe the recommendation is in concordance with the knowledge that we can access in different evidence, in different publications that in this case maybe could be strong. Yeah. I know, but the fact that this kind of patients have to take drugs for the rest of their lives. It could be a specific problem, maybe in quality of life, but obviously the clinical outcome of preventing a new BT episode, it's quite important and quite benefit for the patient in contrast with the risk of this intervention. Maybe as a clinical providers, as doctors, we have to evaluate the profile for specific situations or individualize the recommendation for a patient. Obviously, we can understand that it could be one of the most strong recommendations in this case, yeah? Thank you, Patricia, for this conversation. Thank you to Ash to invite us to participate in this podcast.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Guillermo, and thank you, Ash, and all the audience for this opportunity. In the podcast notes, there are more information regarding these guidelines, so anyone interested can check there. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Remember to visit www.hematology.org for information and resources. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Hematology. For more information, visit www.hematology.org. Make sure to add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed and follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And check the ASH Clinical Practice Guidelines playlist for future updates.